going on youtube man this is your guy manny and you're listening to the back row Redskins show welcome to the talking sports with manny youtube channel if you're new to the youtube channel please hit the subscribe button please hit the notification bell and also like comment and share um got some great stuff coming to the channel but let's go ahead and dive into this post uh draft podcast um Redskins nation in the comments below, let me know what you think of this draft. Did you like this draft? Do you think this draft is okay, good, great? And what do you feel you would have done different if you were the GM? Now, fans definitely have the right to have their own opinions. There are some people that like this draft. There's some people that don't like this draft. We're going to start with the first pick of the draft, which, which was Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. He was selected at pick 19. And I think that was a home run uh, draft pick just for the simple fact that we needed a middle linebacker and he can play. He can play some well linebacker. That's the great thing I like about Jamin Davis. He can play some well linebacker. Um, I believe that he was the second best linebacker in this draft. Everybody is saying, oh, Micah Parsons. And then there's a drop off. We all wanted Xavier Collins. What happens? Xavier Collins gained 270 pounds and became. He's now going to become an edge slash three, four linebacker. So what this says to me is that the football team selected the best linebacker available that fits their system. Everybody's saying, oh, trade back. You trade back. You can still get a Jamin Davis late in the first round. Well, we're picking at 19. What do you want us to trade back to? You want to trade back to 25, 30 to get Jamin Davis? So I believe it was a home run. Uh, uh, pick getting Jamin Davis. I like what he brings to the table. Um, you know, some of the guys out there are giving uh, this this draft pick a B plus, which is fine. <clears throat> Obviously, Christian Darrisaw was still on the board, and a lot of us was thinking, oh, maybe we might get Christian Darrisaw, but then that didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I believe the team felt linebacker was a bigger need, hence fourth uh, Washington picking a, a tackle, which I'm going to get to in the second round. So. When you look at Jimmy Davis, you know what I'm saying? He's 6'4 frame. He's 235 pounds. He runs a 4'4. The guy is strong. The guy is athletic. I mean, the guy can jump out the gym. He has like Vince Carter type vertical. So I like everything he brings to the table. Yes, he was a high riser, a big riser in the boards as the draft process went on. Uh, people were picking Jamin Davis as a guy that can go in the middle rounds, third, maybe fourth round in the draft. And then as, after that pro day, it was like, wow. You know, he skyrocketed to, you know what I'm saying, a first-round pick. Um, many said that he could have been a second-round, I mean, a, a late first-round pick, but it's kind of like getting value and getting the guy that fits your system. Obviously, I'm going to trust Ron Rivera, and I'm going to trust Jack Del Rio when it comes to selecting the linebacker. Um, now, whether he starts at middle linebacker or wheel linebacker this year with Bostic in the middle, we'll see what happens there. There's still a free agent out there, K.J. Wright, Paul Alexander, that they can bring in and solidify this linebacking group. Uh, John Bostic is cool, but I would rather have a Quan Alexander 
or a KJ Wright added to Holcomb and Davis to make that um, linebacker group awesome. So I love the pick. Some people didn't, and everybody's entitled to their own opinions. So, guys, let me know in the comments whether you like the Jamin Davis pick or not. Now, in the second round, Washington selected um, Samuel Cosme. Okay, he's a six-five uh, tackle. This guy is super athletic, and we were able to get him in day two in pick fifty-one. Now, granted, this was a tackle that people said was a top-five tackle. And for Washington to go ahead and get this guy at pick 51 is a home run pick. Granted, there's some goods and there's some bads that comes with this guy. You know what I'm saying? With a 6'5 frame, he flashed uh, super, super athleticism in Texas. He's a bit raw. He's a bit raw and inconsistent. But those are things that our coach can fix. We have a very good um, offensive line coach who did some damage in a good way <laughs> with the offensive line that we had last year. So. Whether you're using Cosme as a uh, left tackle or right tackle, I believe that he's going to be a starter uh, come next year. He can surprise and, and be a day one starter, but I, I feel like he's a guy that, uh, that uh, John Masco can just groom and cultivate to be the tackle that we want him to be. Now, you can start off with Cornelius Lucas at the uh, left tackle position and be fine. You know what I'm saying? Because we had Cornelius Lucas – we didn't have to go tackle in the first round. And maybe Cosme was higher on their board than Darisol. So you just never know sometimes when you're grading picks. And we don't even know what Ron Rivera's big board looked like. You know what I'm saying? So Cosme at round two, at pick 51, I'm elated with that pick. Um, next year, we have free agents in Cornelius Lucas and Morgan Moses. So maybe Cosme steps in and fills one of those uh, spots. So they'll get one year to sit behind, kind of like how you draft a quarterback in the first round and you kind of sit them back. So we'll get to sit behind these guys, get some reps as a swing tackle, and uh, we'll go from there. So I love the pick. Um, there was like a, a video that they kept showing of this guy receiving a, was it like a, a screen pass or something like that, or like a little a pass to the uh, to the side, and he ran it in like about 10 yards. So he definitely has some wheels on him. He's athletic. He's definitely a guy that's going to be uh, uh, very, very good for us and could end up being potential, that potential still of the draft if this guy pans out. So, I mean, I like this guy better than a guy like that, Jerron Christian. This is a way better prospect than Jerron Christian was a few years back. So I love the pick. Now we slide on to the third round. To, to the third round. The third round is where I was like, wow, really? I knew that we wanted a corner. And mind you, if one of the top corners that the football team loved was available in the third round, that would have definitely been the pick. So um, I definitely like what we did, you know what I'm saying, in terms of trying to solidify that corner position. Now, this guy is Benjamin St. Hoos. I think that's how you say it. Juice. Yeah, Juice. Uh, ben Benjamin St. Juice uh, from Minnesota. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. That's what I liked. We finally have a corner that has some size. You know, you have William Jack, the third, who has some size. And you have uh, Fuller. He's, you know, he's on a smaller side. And you have Jimmy Moreland, who's way on a smaller side. So, so definitely, definitely getting a corner that's 6'3", 200. He's versatile. Very, very versatile. You can play him in the, in the uh, outside, inside safety, nickel, 
you can move him all over the place. And with uh, Fabian Monroe leaving, this is a great opportunity to bring in a guy like Benjamin who can, you know, step in and bring some added um, depth to that cornerback position. Every team needs four good corners or four corners that you can depend on. And I believe that Benjamin is going to be a corner that we depend on. Yes, we signed that free agent guy um, from the Lions. I can't even think of his name right now, to be honest. And then outside of that, you know, you probably have Greg Stroman, Danny Johnson, who are guys that were undrafted seventh round that provided great depth for the team. But now you have a battle. You have these four guys, and then you're going to have these other three guys fighting for two spots. And then whoever else that we bring in. So he's going to compete for that third cornerback position. Um, I love the competition between him and Jimmy Moreland. I just love having a guy like Jimmy Moreland who's feisty, smaller, but a ball hawk. Uh, and then and now you have a guy like Benjamin who's going to you know, provide some uh, you know, added versatility to this cornerback group. So he just bodes well. He has a big frame, solid athletic ability. And, um, you know, he was big time in college, but he's a guy that because he played four years and was at the senior bowl as well, he took some snaps at safety. So it's something that is going to be very, very valuable to the team, having a guy that, that, that you can move all over the place. And if somebody, if somebody was to get hurt at a safety position or a cornerback position, he can just go ahead and slide in and help his team. So I really, really like this pick, even though that it was a surprise pick. When, when, once we got this guy, I was looking like, oh, my gosh. We didn't get a tight end. We didn't get, you know, another linebacker. Jabril Cox was out there. A lot of us wanted Jabril Cox, but he fell to the fourth round and went to Dallas, our enemy. So um, a lot of times, that's why I don't like these mock drafts that we do as fans, because what you see in a mock draft simulator is not going to happen come real life. But I mean, the mock, like the mock drafts are fun. I don't knock it because I, I do do it, but I don't really too much focus on it. But we had another third round pick. And this pick right here might be my favorite pick in this entire draft. We were able to get the Yami Brown from North Carolina at pick 82 in the third round. So this made up for this uh, St. Juice pick that I was like, wow, I don't know what we're doing, even though I did like the pick after I did my own research and kind of find out who this guy was. Because a lot of times us fans, we get mad because we don't know a player. Just because we don't know a player does not mean that the player isn't good, right? So we were, we were able to get this guy and uh, Saint, I mean, uh, Dayami Brown was somebody that I would have been excited to get at 51, but we were able to get this guy at 82. And I was like, what? This guy lasted to 82. I was cutting some hair and I was busy. So I wasn't really watching the draft when we drafted a cornerback. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. We got some corner. You know how we are as fans. Oh, somebody. We got somebody because we don't know the guy. And then when we got Dayami Brown, pick 82, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Another weapon. And to me, wide receiver was such a big need. Everybody said, well, you already have Curtis Samuel. You brought in Humphreys. Why get another wide receiver? Why is it that the Giants continue to get wide receivers? Why is it that the uh, teams like Pittsburgh continues to draft wide receivers every year. Why is it that Kansas City continues to drive, draft wide receivers every year? That's because you need to continue to upgrade and continue to build your skill position group, always. So when you get a, a guy of this caliber in this deep draft, Dayami Brown can possibly be a top five 
rookie wide receiver this year, if used correctly, if he picks up the system right away. So I love this pick. It was a home run pick. Matter of fact, this pick right here solidified the top four guys that we drafted. When you add a Dayami Brown to the to what we did with our first three picks, this makes the first four picks a home run draft just off the first four picks. So let me tell you guys a little bit about, um, about Dayami Brown. This guy, the last two seasons, he surpassed the thousand yards receiving mark for North Carolina. Obviously, they have a good quarterback in Sam Howell, and Sam Howell continues to find people. And Sam Howell is a guy that I'm willing to trade the house for to get on the football team next year, since we're in the tight quarterback in this draft. Now, Dayami Brown, you know what I'm saying? He's he's 6'2, almost 6'3, blazing speed, another 4'4 guy. So you have speed with Dayami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. Who do you cover? Somebody's going to be open. And I expect Dayami Brown to be a day one starter at the wide receiver position this year. There's no doubt in my mind that he, he's going to be able to beat out of Cam Sims. He's the guy that you need on the outside. Even though Cam Sims is taller and, you know, bigger, but you have a guy in Dayami Brown who's 6'2". He ain't no, you know. He ain't no slouch. And one thing I like about Dayami Brown was that he averaged over 20 yards per catch in college. You know how hard it is to average over 20 yards per catch? That means every time he catches the ball, the defender is behind him. Guy has blazing speed. Uh, he had uh, 55 catches over 1,000 yards this year, and he had, I believe, eight touchdowns. He is an amazing, amazing prospect. He's going to fit in with what Fitzpatrick likes to do. Fitzpatrick is going to have a field day. Looking for all these different wide receivers. And don't mind, and mind you, De'Ami Brown can play inside and outside. So he also fits that mold of versatility. Terry can play inside and out. Curtis can play inside and out. De'Ami Brown can play inside and out. So you're going to have three guys that you can use all over the place. And then you can mix it in with whoever else that makes a team. I see the team keeping six wide receivers this, this year. And we have tons and tons of wide receivers on the roster. So it's going to be interesting to see which six. Ron Rivera and... uh the rest of the staff decide to, uh, you know, pick. Now, the last two drafts, Terry McLaurin, third round. Antonio Gibson, third round. Deyami Brown, third round. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No pressure. I'm not putting pressure on this young kid. I believe he's going to be a stud in the NFL. Now, we move on to the fourth round, and this is the round where it was a shocker. It was a shocker because the Miami kid, Revan Jordan, was still there. Revan Jordan was still available. And a lot of us fan experts, a lot of us fan, fan analysts wanted Brevin Jordan. Because in the Air Coriel, I believe that Brevin Jordan can eat in the middle of the field. He's a gifted uh, receiver, but his RAS score was so low that for some reason he kept dropping and dropping and dropping. I forgot eventually where he went, but um, we drafted a guy by the name of John Bates from Boise State. John Bates is like 6'5". Has good size, but while he was in college, he didn't have a lot of receptions. So a lot of fans were mad. A lot of people say this is a bit of a reach because we're getting a tight end that's a blocker. I want to say this. George Kittle was a tight end that was drafted in the fifth round, the same round that Jeremy Sprinkles was drafted in a few years back. Now, somebody said, that, well, the body of work for George Kittle is greater than a body of work for John Bates. All I'm saying is sometimes you have these tight ends that come in and can be great receivers. When Ron Rivera asked John Bates, 
He said, John Bates, why is it that you didn't get a lot of receptions in Boise State? John Bates says, hey, coach, I'm willing to do what's best for the team. So what that says to me is that this guy right here, he's unselfish. This guy right here is a guy that's going to battle and fight for his team. And these are the kind of guys that I want on my football team. Granted, maybe this guy comes in, maybe he dominates, but at the end of the day, this guy is better than Jeremy Sprinkles, don't you say? So getting him in the fourth round, uh, maybe he becomes a solid starter. We're not depending on, on this guy to come in and become a star. You have Logan Thomas at least for one more year. You have Semis Reyes. You have Ball on the team, and then you have uh, John Bates. I believe that John Bates is going to be very, very, very involved. And based off of what I've gathered from everybody that I've been talking to and everything that I've been reading, John Bates already right now is the best blocking tight end on the football team. Now, they also say that John Bates has great hands. So great blocker, willing blocker, excited about blocking and has great hands. That's something that I want to see along with the football team. A lot of people say, well, he's slower. He's a slower tight end. He does not create uh, uh, explosion. Uh, I mean, uh, separation. He's not an explosive player. You don't need to have a home run hit on every position in terms of when you're drafting. Sometimes you are drafting the field needs. I believe that the first three rounds are you're looking for impact players and you're looking for starters. Rounds four through seven, you got to fill the rest of your team out. At the end of the day, you're not going to hit a home run on every single pick. You bring in John Bates, who's going to be the more so of the blocking tight end and a capable catcher. You bring in uh, Logan Thomas, who's already on the team, as the guy that's going to be your catching tight end. Logan Thomas tries at blocking. He's not great at blocking. He tries at blocking. And with bringing in a John Bates and bringing in Eric Flowers and with the offensive line that we're going to have this year, man, this is telling me that Antonio Gibson is going to be able to run the ball like crazy. This is telling me that they're focused on creating more holes for um, Antonio Gibson. And I'm excited about if you're a football team fan, you're a true fan, you should be excited at the fact that we're going to be able to run the ball this year. Be excited about that. So don't look at every pick as it has to be a home run hit. You know, a lot of guys wanted Brevin Jordan or Zach Davidson, you know what I'm saying, who who have, you know, different different traits, different skill set. But look, Ron Rivera and Cole, when they got Logan Thomas, a lot of us, including me, was like, what's going on at tight end? This year, we're saying what's going on at tight end, but I'm trying and I'm learning to trust the front office. Maybe they see something in this guy that a lot of us don't see. That's why they get paid the big bucks and we don't. But like I said, I'm okay with fans having their opinions. You're not supposed to like every pick. You're, you are not supposed to like every pick. So I'm going to move on to the next pick. In the fifth round, we drafted Derek Forrest. Derek Forrest is your example of a, of a Ron Rivera-type prospect. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy that has plenty of experience at Cincinnati. He played 39 career games, and he was a captain of that team. So he's a guy that brings a pedigree of leadership, and Ron Rivera loves high-character guys and guys who provide leadership he is versatile he can play out i mean he can play the uh the strong safety and he can play the free safety um some might say that he's a better strong safety than free safety but one thing that i like about this team is that we got some hitters we got some hitters even when you add the two guys who filled in at safety last year in reeves and uh shays uh shays everett they hit people and we're going to be a team that has an identity of hitting people you know what i'm saying so i, I believe we got better in coverage overall this year in terms of covering the running backs out the flat and the tight ends through the middle and all over the field, 
Um, we definitely, definitely, definitely got better. I mean, with three guys just off the draft, when you have a Benjamin in the third, when you have uh, uh, um, Jamin Davis, and now you have Derek Forrest. Derek Forrest has a chance to be the starting free safety this year, but we have to see what happens, you know, through uh, a training camp and rookie OT, uh, OTAs and all those different things. He has to learn the system. And this year, because it's going to be much better than it was last year, they're going to start off with a whole bunch of virtual stuff and then they'll continue. But Forrest did have 146 tackles while in college. He had five interceptions. And um, and those interceptions came in his final uh, years, you know, playing. So this guy is going to quickly become a special teams guy. So let's say he doesn't get the starting job. He's going to quickly become a special teams guy who's going to help on special teams until he's ready to have a bigger role on uh, on the team. Now, the team can decide and say, hey, let's go out there and get a Trey Boston or go out there and get a Malik Hooker. Then we're going to be super deep at safety, which means guys like Reeves and Everett might not make the team. We'll just see what happens. I mean, there's not it's not even a lock that Derek Forrest makes a team even, but um, I like his potential and I like what he's going to bring to the team. I'm not handing him the free safety position just yet, but what I am saying is that he definitely has a big chance of being the, uh, the free safety this season. Now, we move on to the sixth round. The Washington football team traded back into the sixth round because we didn't have a sixth round pick this year. But what we did was we traded the fifth next year and got a sixth round in two sevens. So, did we trade up just to get this pick I'm about to announce right now? Or did we trade up to get more picks knowing that we needed to cover more depth positions? So the football team traded up to get a long slapper by the name of Cameron Cheeseman. Okay. It's, it's spelled cheese man, but it's pronounced Cheeseman. So to me, he was the best long slapper in the draft. There was a long slapper that went ahead of him that people say that's better. Thomas Fletcher. But from what I've read, I've seen the Cheeseman is the best uh, um, offensive, uh, uh, I mean, long snapper. And long snapper is a position that's very, very important. Sudberg was here in D.C. for a decade and did an admirable job. He was great at what he did. What if this kid lasts for us five years or six years or seven years? Then this pick was a success. A lot of people are getting mad at drafting a, a long snapper. Well, I ask you fans this. What were you really going to draft? at this uh, pick right here. Let me know in the comments because a lot of fans talk, oh, this is a bad pick. Well, what's the solution? People say, this is a problem. I say, if there's a problem, then let me know the solution. It goes both ways. So if you're saying that, that this is a bad pick, then what would you have done? Who was out there? So we don't get, uh, I mean, so we, so we get this long snapper, which is the position of need, which means that he's going to make the team. You know what I'm saying? So Sixth round, next year is a weaker draft. You lose the fifth round, you can trade back into the fifth round anyways. But what this guy did was he played 39 games. He's 6'4". Um, he's solid. He's done a great job in college playing long snapper. And this is a position that if everything bodes well, you don't have to worry about this position for the next few years until it's contract time. Then you decide if you're going to pay him or let him walk. Um, but when Washington football team made this pick, there was 34 more picks left to go. So whether you got him in the sixth round at pick 225 or you're getting him in the next few picks, it doesn't really matter. They felt he was their guy. Ron Rivera did a Zoom one-on-one -on -one with this guy prior to the draft. So 
Ron Rivera was very knowledgeable about who this guy was, and maybe this guy did not last to the seventh round. Shortly after this pick was made, there was a mini run on long snappers. So <laughs> we were not the only ones looking for a long snapper. So um, I don't have much to say about this pick other than it is what it is. We needed one. We got one. Move on with it. If you don't like it, then oh, well. So we move on to the seventh round, and we drafted um, a guy by the name of William Bradley King from Baylor. You know, Washington did a great job in the seventh round with filling needs. When we've done these podcasts for the Washington, I mean, for the Back Row Redskins show, we've always talked about the importance of having depth at the edge position, being that Ryan Kerrigan is gone, being that Ryan Anderson is gone. So really, after Chase and Sweat, there's nobody behind those guys. So this is a, a glaring need, a need that we did not feel in free agency. So guess what we did? We drafted two edge rushers in the seventh round, and the first one being William Bradley King from Baylor. Last year, he had 3.5 sacks uh, during his transfer season uh, at Baylor. Um, so he was from Arkansas State before that. Um, he's solid. He's 6'4", 248 pounds, uh, nice frame. He should battle for a backup position. You know, he'll get to battle with James Smith-Williams, which, yes, he's there, um, which, was, which is another seventh-round pick to go with William Bradley King. They get to battle and, you know, try to see who – Who's going to get snaps behind Chase and um, Montez, which won't be much, but injuries do happen. Knocking on wood. I don't want Sweat or Chase to get uh, hurt. They're going to play the majority of the snaps anyways. They're going to play anywhere from 70 to 100% of the snaps most games. So it's always good to have depth. And playing with a guy like Chase and Montez Sweat is going to elevate these backup guys to want to be the best that they can be because iron, iron sharpens iron. You're going to be around some all pro talent, and those guys are going to help to elevate these guys. It's going to be some, a fun competition, fun banter in, in, a, in a training camp, and you're going to kind of love that kind of stuff. Chase Young is going to get his guys fired up. He's the leader of that edge position, and he's going to get these guys fired up uh, to want to play for the Washington football team. They're building a culture there when it comes to that defensive line, so I love what we're doing. And with the next seventh-round pick, we were able to get Shaka Tony. Shaka Tony from Penn State. Shaka Tony from Penn State is way more intriguing to me than Bradley King. Now, what Washington did was they grabbed a guy who was a productive pass rusher at Penn State. He's not no chump. He's not no bum. He is the real deal. He had 20 career sacks at his time in Penn State. And over each of the last three seasons, he had at least five sacks each of the last three seasons. So this is a guy that can get to the uh, get to the quarterback. And when you hear Shaka Tony talking, he said that he watched a lot of Chase Young and he models his game after a guy like Chase, Chase Young. He takes some things away from uh, from a Montez Sweat and he's incorporating things into his game. Now, being around Chase Young and being around Montez Sweat is going to help these young guys to elevate their games. I'm really, really, really intrigued about Shaka Tony. And I think Shaka Tony is the best out of the two guys that we grabbed. As an edge, I even like Shaka Tony over a guy like uh, Smith Williams. So we'll see what happens in camp. It's going to add added competition between Bradley King, Smith Williams, and uh, Shaka Tony uh, to see who ends up, uh, you know, winning like the job as the backup edge. I think the football team keeps five. So there's a potential that these two seventh rounders both make the team along with Smith Williams to round up that edge group. So I'm excited about that. And mind you, these two guys are more defensive end 
defensive or edge, linebacker edge slash better than what Ryan Anderson was. Ryan Anderson was more of a tweener, very small, and he really didn't even know where to be. These guys are true, pure edge rushers, which is something that the football team needs, which is something that's going to add tons of value to what they're trying to do on the defensive end. Now, with the last pick of the draft was Dax Maline. I hope I'm saying it right. Zach Maline, Maline, Milne, <laughs> however you say it, but he was from BYU. And this guy is a slot receiver. He was Zach Wilson's favorite target. He's not flashy. He's not athletic. But guess what? He knows how to catch the ball. Um, he, he, he knows how to get open, too. So what this says to me is this pick was like second to the last pick overall. Solid pick, depth pick, uh, a guy that's going to come in and battle for that fifth and sixth position. Um, with this pick, you would think that a guy like Humphreys is a lock, but Humphreys isn't a lock to make the team. You know, with what we've added at wide receiver, what if Ron Rivera says he just wants to keep one other slot guy and decide to go younger instead of going older in Humphreys? So not saying that Humphreys doesn't make the team. All I'm saying is that the team obviously saw something in this guy to bring him in. Granted, the uh, practice squad might be similar to what it was last year. And if it is, guess what? You can keep more players on your squad. And if that happens, you're going to see a, a scenario or a situation where the football team grabbed this guy to put him on the practice squad. And I'm going to get into the undrafted free agents in a minute, but um, back to Dax. Dax is just going to provide just another slot wide receiver, just another guy to just come into the camp and compete another guy to push some of the guys like uh, uh, Sims Jr., who I think is gone either way it goes, but he's going to come in here and push some of these other guys for those last two wide receiver spots at five and six. So we got some interesting decisions to make. AGG, Antonio Gandy Golden. Uh, um, what's his name? Mm, his name was Kelvin Harmon. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Cam Sims, Stephen Sims Jr. You know, so Tons and tons of talent on the team. Tons and tons of camp competition. We're going to see which guys make the team. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have, and you want to have your best guys out there. Ron Rivera said he wanted to create competition at every single position and then have the guys who win those positions lead us into the season. So that's very exciting. You definitely want to have competition. You definitely want to have your best, your best 53 guys out there leading this team and taking that charge. So. Last year, we were able to hit a home run in Cam Curl with the seventh-round pick. This year, we have three seven-round picks. I think only two out of the three make the team, but we'll see which two out of the three make the team. Maybe all three make the team, but it's the, uh, the team definitely knows what it's doing in terms of, of identifying the kinds of players and characters that fit the culture of what Ron Rivera is building. So I do like that. The next guy I want to talk about is a guy that, Went undrafted, you know, at the time, as well as needing running back, I also knew that we, I mean, needing wide receiver, I also know we needed an RB2. We needed an RB2. Every guy that I wanted was practically gone. And um, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of mad that a few guys that I wanted, they didn't get drafted. So we got a hometown kid from Glendale, Maryland, 195 pounds. 5'9 junior from Buffalo, Jared Patterson. He was the only undrafted guy that we signed. A lot of fans get mad 
They say, oh, the undrafted free agency market for Washington has been boring the last few years. Guess what? Washington are only getting guys that they feel can make the team. What's the point of signing 10 undrafted guys for, for zero to make the team or for maybe one to make the practice squad or whatever? You know, Simi Cobbs of the world. You know, it happens. I like that the team is being very, very selective. Matter of fact, they're getting more seventh rounders to pinpoint and get the exact guys that they want. So that way they don't have to, like, have that chance of, do I get this guy? Do I not get this guy? I love what the team is doing when it comes to undrafted free agents. So you're getting your guy, Jared Patterson. When I break down what this guy has done in three years, it's remarkable. It's amazing. Um, He's explosive. Um, A lot of guys say, well, oh, he played at Buffalo. Who cares? Who cares? When people play at small school and they try to, you know, throw that, oh, small school guy, small, small school guy. I say production. You know, I look at production and I look at what what did the player do when he was in college? So let's look at freshman year. Freshman year. He had one hundred and eighty three carries. One thousand thirteen yards. Okay, five yards per carry. 14 touchdowns. He had seven receptions for 62 yards. Okay. Year two, he had 300 and 312 carries. 1,700 plus yards. One yard shy away from 1,800. So let's just say 1,800 yards. Okay. 19 touchdowns. He caught 13 receptions for 209 yards, one touchdown. Year three, which was this last season, he had 141 carries, 1,072 yards rushing, 7.6 per carry, okay? 19 touchdowns, okay? No reception, so nothing in, the, in, the, in like the receiving world. That's fine. Here's what's beautiful about his stats from 2020. He did this in six games. The, la- the other two stats that I gave you guys was 13 games, 13 games, six games. So you're telling me in six games, in less than half the carries, this guy has almost produced what he had previous year? So seven, 1,800 yards, yes, to 1,000 yards. It's a big drop-off with the 800 yards rushing. I get that. What I'm saying is he had 19 rushing touchdowns in 2019 and then 19 rushing touchdowns in 2020. 19 rushing touchdowns in six games. Let that sink in. 19 rushing touchdowns in six games. No matter how you slice it, this guy produced. This guy was at a smaller school and he did what he was supposed to do. He dominated in a small school. So when people say small school, I say production. As long as you're dominating in a small school, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. This guy is a stud. This guy is going to make the team. This guy is going to be the RB2 for this squad. This is one of the most exciting prospects that we were able to bring in. And maybe they talked to him on the phone. Maybe they could have had him at the pick instead of Dax. But I guarantee you that the football team called this guy and said, hey, do you want us to, you know, would you feel like coming to, you know, coming to, uh, coming to D.C. if you don't get drafted? So I guess they kind of knew that this was their guy. They could have drafted him. 
They could have drafted him at that spot, but they knew that he was a hometown kid. He would love to play in D.C., and I'm, I guarantee you somebody was on the phone with Jared Patterson because immediately after the draft, not even 30 minutes to an hour, there were talks about Jared Patterson is going to confirm. He was one of the guys that I did want us to draft in the seventh round to take a flyer on him and to see how he does. I believe he makes a team. I believe he has an immediate Im impact on the team, and he's going to be a nice two, uh, two young running back combo between him and Antonio Gibson. I'm excited about that, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Back Row Redskins Show. Be sure to like, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, all the different podcast forms. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, please subscribe, please share, and please comment. Everything that you guys do helps. So I appreciate you guys. You guys be safe, and I'm out. Peace.